0: I'm Alex Stone, former military service member and law enforcement officer, now CEO of Echelon Protected Services, one of the fastest growing private security firms on the West Coast. And this is Ride Along. Where our guests and I witness firsthand the issues affecting our community. I believe our proven method of enacting meaningful change through compassion and understanding is the best way to make our streets a safer place and truly achieve security through the community.
1: Uh, My name is Matt Castile, and I'm a former Green Beret in the US Army and in a previous life. Right now, I am a high school principal here in the Portland metro area.
2: Hi, my name is Evans Pang. I'm the director of patrol and operations for Pacific Echelon. Today, I'm just here to show my buddy, Matt Castile, what we do and how we do it in the Portland area.
0: Hey, Alex Stone here. Welcome to the Ride Along. We have two fantastic guests today. We have Evans Pang and Matt Castile. Gentlemen, you're on the Ride Along today. Why don't you kind of introduce yourself to the folks, give a little bit of a background.
1: You want to go first. You go first. All right. Um, my name you. is Matt Castile. I am uh, currently a high school principal in Beaverton, Oregon. Um, that's uh, um, that's after a I don't know a variety of uh, or an exciting life um, prior to that. I've uh, actually met Evans at Oregon State University. Back in what was that have been 84? Uh, 84. 84, 85, something like that. Yeah, um, was, you know, Yo, I thought y'all at Top Gun together. Civil War, the Civil War. We were yeah, a little bit right. older than that. <clears throat> uh, I do remember watching Top Gun. I think we went as a group. Yes, actually. we did. But anyway, um, doesn't matter. Uh, we were in um, Army uh, ROTC together, and mm-hmm. actually, and uh, both got commissioned. And I went into active duty as an infantry lieutenant, um, did all the cool guy stuff, Ranger School, Airborne, all of that stuff. Um, Eventually worked my way to um, selection and was lucky enough to uh, be selected to uh, enter um, Special Forces, the Green Berets. And um, I did that for the last, I don't know, 22, three, four years of, of my career. And uh, retired in uh, 2014, which is when I started my career in education. And I'm married, two kids, lots of good friends. Yeah. Hmm. He's not really one of them.
2: Forty years, (laughs) man. Forty years, yeah. Forty years and counting. My background, same thing, Oregon State, met Matt and uh, got commissioned actually as a military policeman. Um, Did my reserve time, didn't go active duty, but uh, had some fun times. Got deployed to Korea uh, for a short short tour and uh, went to SRT school through the Army. That was fun. Yeah. Tell the folks what SRT is. Oh, sorry, it's SWAT school. Yeah. For those who don't know, what SRT Special Reaction Team. So got to do that. Um, Fast forward my civilian world. I I call it the buffet of life. I I've tried almost anything from finance to um, the fun one was cooking. I did cooking for three years professionally. Yeah, I did, you, I did right? it for three years. He's a uh, tactical chef. That's what we call him. Yeah, I'm just a cook. <laughs> if you know that Steven Seagal reference from
1: Under Siege. I and remember now. that movie. Yeah. As a uh, little bit. That was his better more than Top movie. Gun. <laughs> oh
2: yeah. All right. I'm always stunned by Steven Seagal. Fast forward to um, meeting Mr. Stone here. He changed my life.
0: That's right. You were working for a, a, a Fortune 500 company.
2: Yeah, Silicon Valley. Uh, Doing their SRT SWAT yeah.
0: type of call out.
2: Right. It was basically plain clothes. Uh, I wasn't the close protection team, but we were basically the SRT for uh, it's like Fortune a QRF. Yeah, QRF clothes me on a laptop doing geek stuff pertaining to do geek stuff and uh like you blend a- in well right yes. thank you especially those glasses yeah I love the i love the urban camo glasses yeah that was fun uh for a little bit and then i, I got the call from you and said hey you want to come up to oregon and i was honestly very shocked in a in a very nice way of saying hey man we want you to come up to portland and help run it that's and right it's like wow yeah we were a young company still then at that time how many people did you have then? Less than forty. Less than forty. Yeah. yeah, when I stepped on.
1: What do you got now? Oh, About 120, I think. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, over
2: 100 for sure,
0: nationwide. They say 200 in the papers, but mm. eh, you know, those are ghost operators. So we don't right. count them. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you're here at the ride along today, uh, mm. Evans. You're currently one of the directors here in Portland. Yep. You're you're poised to take over California. Yeah. So you're going to be running the big CA soon, right? NorCal. Yep. Mm. And. Um, you know, we're going to go on a ride-along later today, but really this this portion of the podcast is about explaining your background and the intersection between what we're trying to achieve here in Portland. Right. So right. many people in the nation know kind of exactly what's going on in Portland, Oregon. You know, we're suffering from a drug epidemic. We have a huge um, houseless uh, crisis, a homelessness crisis, right? Mm-hmm. About 1% one to 1.5% one of the total population are homeless living on the street. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when we came into this market as a security company, both me and my, my business partner, Reed Kerr, we realized quickly that in this industry, most people are paid to not deliver results. right? Most people have security because they need it for insurance purposes, and you know, no one really expects anything from their security teams, and we realized quickly that we were kind of stuck between two models, that law enforcement model, mm-hmm. which never works because Security isn't law enforcement, and um, the observe and report model, which doesn't work because of the lack of emergency services. So, right, right. we quickly we quickly did a deep dive and we looked Oconus. We looked outside the United States mm-hmm. to see uh, successful security models, and luckily. I've spent some time overseas. I was able to partake in some of these models. Mm-hmm. Um, you you did as well mm-hmm. on the ODA side, mm-hmm. right? That mm-hmm. special forces side, right. And that's kind of the model we we, we went with. Mm-hmm. We decided that just a regular security force wasn't gonna wasn't gonna work. We right. had to have a level of intelligence. You know, we have major criminal operations. We have Central American gangs. We have uh, cartels. Mm-hmm. We have street gangs nationally recognized. Crip gangs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rolling 60s, things like this, engaging in trafficking of narcotics, you know, humans, things like that. Right. And so we recognized quickly we needed a level of intelligence to work from if we're going to be strategic and actually right. deliver results. We also realized really quickly we needed a, a way to take the drug, take the drug dealers' customers mm-hmm. away. The the people they enslave, you know, mm-hmm. they'll give them a month mm-hmm. of drugs, right, and right. now you, they basically the drug dealer owns you. Right, you're constantly stealing things, petty theft, bike, going into a ride Aid, going into a you know pharmacy store or a clothing store, constantly stealing stuff to mm-hmm. pay off that drug dealer. Mm-hmm. And and we realized we had to be a non a non governmental organization, an NGO, mm-hmm. nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And so this kind of coalesced over a six month period. This this type of um, thinking. And we're working directly with the houseless community, getting them into shelter. So last month alone, we sheltered, we sheltered or transitioned into services like detox, um, getting people back with family, home care, faith groups, right? We transitioned more than 150 people last month. Right, right. So in that 30-day period, we, were, we would contact every, people in their tent mm-hmm. or on the street, passed out on fentanyl, mm-hmm. and we would say, hey... We know you're not living your dream. Right. Right. When you were in second grade and your teacher asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Did right. you, you Did you think you would put down, I want to be a drug addict in Portland, Oregon? Right. And, you know, they always say, no, I always wanted to be this. Or I thought, you know, sure. I thought I'd be a teacher. Right. right? right. And not, we tell them, well, today I, I'm going to help you live your dream. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get you off the streets. We're going to get you to a shelter. You want to do that. And we get a pretty good response rate because we're there every day. They know right, us by name. Right, right. And so this is kind of the security model we've chosen. It's a community transformation, um, holistic approach mm-hmm. to security services. Mm-hmm. Right. And so on, from your background, I, I'm kind of interested in what you think that looks like mm-hmm. and kind of give an example of overseas operations where you were able to participate in that type of security model yeah. overseas as that security
1: portion. Yeah. Well, it's it's... Funny just to hear you describe um, your mission and how um, your vision of how you're going to tackle it. I, I could not help but think back to um, w- way back days uh, in special operations. There's there's a, a category of, of mission types that we would commonly refer to as like FID, um, FID, Foreign Internal Defense, mm-hmm. which... First of all, comparing any two models is always going to have flaws, so I, I don't mean to say that, that they're the same. But the connection between what you're describing and, and what um, I spent a chunk of my life doing was it, there's a lot there. I mean, um, successful foreign internal defense, which is, means um, w- one version of it is to, to go into another country and try and um, help them... Um, in a nutshell, it'd be put, like putting down an insurgent. Now, that's different than, than your mission, obviously. Yeah. There, there's a, there's a, a human enemy here um, that, that Foreign Internal Defense um, um, needs to deal with, and some sometimes kinetically. That's very different than yeah, what you're yeah. doing. Um, but the ideas are of the the critical nature of intelligence, the critical nature of resources to bring into the community, which is things I'm hearing you talk about, and this this um, probably the most critical thing is to develop trust um, with mm-hmm. the 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 country, the people in which you're you're operating. If if you can get those three things. Um, and it always starts with, and ends with trust, mm-hmm. um, which is about relationship, which is about, in, in my world, it was actually, um, living with, living among, um, um, learning to speak the language, eat the food, learn the, the sure. customs Complete to, immersion. The, exactly wow, yeah. to, to show a commitment to a community. Um, then a trust starts to develop and then, um, then you can start to use the combination of intelligence and resources to actually lift communities up where uh, which is the best way to fight an insurgency is to dry a, up a, an insurgency when when That's an right. enemy can no longer find safe haven. Can no longer find recruits. A, commu- recruits, yeah. a community that's willing or or necessarily has to support them. Then they fade away, and and you don't have to fight them anymore because they simply can no longer survive in that environment. It, it sounds in in these sort of mm-hmm. strange ways that you're doing the exact same thing, yeah. um, without all the the kinetic stuff that the military, <clears> throat> my throat background throat> had to <throat> deal with. Um, anyway, it was just fascinating. Just the, those three yeah. minutes of explanation, it like set me back, you know, twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ideally. You know, you're dealing
0: with community leader leaders, whether it's just a subculture on the street. Absolutely, right. And we're yeah, we're building that trust every day. Mm-hmm. And a couple of things that we've noticed that I think are overlaps is number one, a, a community without hope is easily enslaved. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And a community without hope will always bring recruits to radical groups. That's right, right. So <clears throat> building hope, which begins with increasing self worth. Mm-hmm. And increasing agency. Yep. Right. Yep. Hope comes from worth and agency. Yep. yep. That's yep. kind of the triangle of hope, right? Absolutely. And so we go in and in most in most of these urban models where you're trying to offer personal transformation, we call that the field of dreams model from the movie where they mm-hmm. built mm-hmm. a baseball field in the right. middle of nowhere. Right. Yeah. yeah. And
1: again another movie better yeah. than Top Gun, but Top Gun. whatever. <laughs> right. That's like a Gen X thing, right?
0: Everything has to go to movie. Hey, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. And so <laughs> Or Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't love Kevin Bacon? <laughs> mm, I love bacon. The fool, well, <clears throat> Yeah. <laughs> I don't need bacon. Um, that's a long story. More for me. So, we have the Field of Dreams model where people with people with the power, mm-hmm. right? So there's a power dynamic always in place. The people with the power stay up in their office spaces, their million dollar office spaces, right? And they say, you know, if you need something, come and see us. Mm-hmm. And what they're really saying is, we want you to abandon your tent mm-hmm. so you'll get robbed. Go steal a shopping cart. Take all your items. Put it in a stolen shopping cart. put it for, Push it for an hour or two in the rain right. or the sun. Right. And then go wait in line for four or five hours with the hope that you'll get an answer. Right. Mm-hmm. right? right. Mm-hmm. And all that does is deplete someone of agency, and it right. depletes them of worth. Right. Right. And it, it actually increases that power dynamic. Right, and so what we what we believe is that in, to truly empower the individual and the community, the people who hold the power have to come into the community and serve. Yeah, and you right. actually yeah. Yeah, humble right. yourself, and you right. lower yourself in that power dynamic. That's right. And through the lowering of yourself in that power dynamic, you're actually empowering the other person.
1: Right. Yeah. Right. It's
0: the it's the it's the the transference of power through changing the dynamic. Right. That it that's going to Literally empower that person, right. and through that, through that empowerment, by by meeting someone where they live every day, by going to where they are, yeah. you're literally telling them with your actions, you mean a lot to me. You're important. I'm mm-hmm. here for you. Right. If I could That's jump true. in,
2: yeah, well, jump in. So on and burpees or on, <laughs> <jump>? <laughs> no <jump. laughs> Uh just a little street stories. Yeah, um, you know, literally taking a knee and meeting people houseless that yep. are on the ground. Seeing them eye to eye as as opposed to looking down at them, yeah, exactly. that physical energy changes, right? The mm-hmm. dynamics. So, kind of giving that ex- prime example of, hey, I'm gonna take a knee. Hey, how can I help you, bud? You know, talk to them eye to eye, respect them. I told a homeless guy who was who was beat up on the street, uh, in, in cold. This is during the winter time. I loved him because he needed to hear that I felt. Yeah. Right. And I uh, got to know his name, and I see him on the street now, and sometimes say, Hey, Thomas, put your clothes back on to Hey, brother, can I get you something to eat or a cup mm. of coffee? So, yes. Um, mm. I think the other thing to come circle is, I know this is over, overused term, but hearts and minds, right? We're winning hearts and minds. Hearts and minds, I love yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. And it's something that's it been in insurgency and counterinsurgency mm. topics, but I think it's kind of come home domestically, mm. right? And that's what we're doing in, oh,
1: in yeah. Portland. Every, yeah, every We're, we're right. nation-building in our own nation. That's, that's, yep. that's exactly right. That's Scary, exactly right. Scary, but true. Very, yeah. very and, it, I mean, again, I don't want to... Um, overemphasize potential connections between my old world and what what you're doing here. But um, the the most powerful things we were able to do, most of my experience in this was in Afghanistan, was uh, getting into an area living there, getting to know, again, there it's a tribal system. And so you really had to um, earn the trust and friendship with the tribal elders. And then it all became about um, where can we where can we put uh, clean water wells? Where can mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. run mm-hmm. small mm-hmm. med caps and maybe build a small hospital? Where where can I where mm-hmm. can I help um, this community build a school so mm-hmm. kids for the first time in you know decades can can learn to read and write in, in their own language? Mm-hmm. Um, it, it same thing. it is trying to, to lift them up, give power to yeah. to their their structure, their their comfort level, and mm-hmm. um, and better their lives. Give hope. Yeah, provide hope, um, a vision for um, a better future, mm-hmm. and, and that's what all people want um, for one, themselves and their want. kids. They they, they want um, to have a, a, a bright, um, hopeful future, mm-hmm. and and then, um, in, in a world like that, um, enemies have a much harder time um, living. And I don't care whether that yeah. enemy is an insurgent or it's drugs or it's crime. Yep. They that's not a place where, where they can find strong footing and, and survive and grow.
0: What we realized was in, the, in that field of dreams model, you're dealing with when you force someone out of their space and you, you take their worth and agency away and they end up, do, they actually show up to an office building. You're dealing with that person as an individual, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So you're always going to be locked into the personal transformation model, mm-hmm. right? But when you're embedded and immersed in a community, Something something different happens. You're no longer just operating out of that personal transformation model. You're actually working in a community transformation model. Hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. When you're well empowering said. multiple persons well said, yeah. that are already part of an, the same network, then you're actually the the self empowerment dynamic becomes a community empowerment dynamic, which is which which is what I found was so unique in that ODA intelligence mm-hmm. model. Mm-hmm. Right, and. I think that we we see, we actually have seen this. Mm-hmm. I think that we've seen this firsthand. What the principle that we go by, or the kind of the adage that I like to talk about how this works is. <clears throat> you know, they say if you if you give someone a fish, you give them a meal for a day. Mm-hmm. Right. right. If you teach someone to fish, you get you give them meals for a lifetime. Right. right. But if you teach a team to fish, you can feed an entire village. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, I like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And right, right. so what we're yeah. doing is we're we're not just teaching the individual. Right. See, this is where the model fails. They're never getting to the team environment. They're never. Mm-hmm. They're actually never getting to the community level of involvement that's truly required to transform an entire neighborhood. Right. Because they're locked in their offices dealing one on mm-hmm. one. One on one therapy is great. Mm-hmm. You know, one on one drug addiction counseling is great. Um, But at the end of the day, if you want to transform that neighborhood, Mm -hmm. if you want to make sure that you're getting such a high level of community engagement that criminal organizations are like, hey, we can't sell dope here anymore. Right. There's too much engagement. There's community barbecues. There's uh, faith groups out doing whatever they do. Right. Mm -hmm. You have all this level of engagement that you can no longer feel safe because there's too many eyeballs on the street. Right. Right, Mm -hmm. and so we've achieved that, and I I would say in almost two or three neighborhoods Mm -hmm. on the east side and several neighborhoods Mm -hmm. on the west side here in the downtown. I'd say
2: Old Town has changed in the time I've been here. One hundred, it's been Old Town Chinatown right Yeah, yeah, right. That area has changed for us. When I was here, well, eighteen months ago, it was a different dynamic. You know, Mm -hmm. don't Evans, don't go in that area. There's a there's a block boss, and luckily for me, I'm always been polite, and I know you know learning from what we learn. Just hey. And I was uh, I was very polite to that guy, and later on, I was told like hey, he's the block boss. If you talked to him sideways, he would have he would have put out a hit on you or something. So yeah, he, um, and <clears throat> it happened. He threatened that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we had people
0: quit. We didn't, Yeah,
1: right. we didn't
2: know. I didn't know. I just polite to everyone, you know.
1: So I mean, in in this concept, good people can good people in enough time, um, they can get you. The, the trust you need and they can and they can get the information the intelligence where, yep. where where's the resources coming from the third leg of that stool
0: resources come from our nonprofit so we mm-hmm. have strategic partnerships with probably 20 to 30 groups we right. have an insurance company that is raising money for us mm-hmm. you know, oh, at okay. the end of right, the year right. um, get gala ball they do mm-hmm. we have um, all kinds of groups a lot of the, a lot of our security clients give monthly to got the it. nonprofit, got it. I have okay. a pickup tomorrow, and so yeah, we pick up pallets and pallets of resources. Yeah. I mean, yesterday alone, I think we handed out probably eight to ten cases of frozen water bottles, yep. right? Water, right. Because it was one hundred and five yeah. degrees, right. right? Right. And so, a lot, a lot of what we're doing is driven by resources. Yeah. I mean, it does require a lot. And of on resources. the
2: grassroots mm-hmm. level, I've gone back to clients like mm-hmm. uh, these high, high net worth uh, people who live in nice old uh, apartments, and mm-hmm. go, "Hey, would you mind? we 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 have a need." Mm-hmm you know give us your old towels or you know mm-hmm. blankets and mm-hmm. t-shirt shoes mm-hmm. and they've stepped up so good for them right so
1: so you're drawing you're drawing the people in power I don't, I don't mean that in a negative way but sure. people with resources yeah. you're you're drawing them into this this they're sold different out. way of thinking they're about. totally
0: bought into the, yeah. the business model That's right that That's security a, service yeah. model. They now that they've experienced the transformation and their own properties. Right. They they're like, we want to help. How can we help? Yeah. They mm-hmm. just they go. We know you're doing this. We see what you're doing. Yeah. And we we realize this is the only way. It's truly humanitarian. Right. Because you're putting the people and the community first. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, think about it. We, we had we transitioned 150 people in a 30 day period, to. Unity for Mental Health, Detox, um, Emmanuel, different Mm -hmm, places, mm -hmm. and then a a myriad of different county, city shelters, and private shelters. Hooper Mm -hmm. Did you go to Hooper? Oh, we put eight people in Hooper Detox last month alone. And so this is something that every single agency has different paperwork. Mm -hmm. They all require a different checklist, right? And so the, the paperwork, the load that it takes to do that, it's nearly impossible. The nonprofit is able to, because of its a five oh one C three status, is able to partake in a, a program that allows us to get Narcan. Right. So we get around sixty thousand dollars of Narcan a year. Hmm. And we're not just give it we, we give it to other nonprofits. Oh, so right, most of right. the nonprofits right. in right. our regions, we're actually giving them, them Narcan. There's actually another security company. We provide right. Narcan for that oh. security company right. as well.
1: yeah. Sounds like it's expanding and you're having greater and greater impact yeah. here. Talk to me about beyond the, the borders of, of the Portland metro Portland. area. Well,
0: most of our clients that own property in Portland, they're national or international institutional oh, investors. Oh, right, right. Right, okay. Just in the Bay Area alone, there's one group that has multiple properties here. Mm-hmm. They have 42 Forty. major commercial properties in the Bay Area in Cali. Yeah. Right. And so they're, they noticed the transformation single-handedly they're like this is a, literally we're amazed Right? they go we want you in California yeah. and so I mean it's literally that simple I mean people yeah. are just like we need this everywhere we yeah. need this in Seattle we, we've we been invited to every state we're in we've been invited to we haven't had to run any marketing programs mm. we've literally our marketing budget is literally zero mm. um, this this is our marketing budget yeah the podcast but yeah. you know this is brand new yeah
1: this is this is exciting. I mean, this is we this just is got invited. Life changing, community changing. Yeah,
0: Arizona. Yeah. And we had. I mean, when we took our first property, and we'll drive by there later today. Mm-hmm. Our first first contract in Portland was a multifamily residential property. Right. And it was it had the highest call volume for law enforcement contact mm-hmm. in the entire central district. So a third of Portland mm-hmm. had the highest call volume for any other multifamily residential property. Right. Right. I mean 10-15 major calls a day
1: how long, how long ago was that Yeah, we,
0: i'm not going to mention the name but yeah
1: how long ago is that oh that was five years ago five years ago yeah. yeah
0: and now there's no calls there's no problems i mean it's we have minimal issues yeah and the access and egress points in this property make it prime for drug dealing for dropping off stolen cars because you can you can run across a pedestrian bridge Mm. And, get, and and you have a natural barrier of mm. railroad tracks you can jump a fence and road run so it's easy to, to to do dope and drugs and
2: and, and run girls in this area yeah, it's a jurisdiction thing too right yeah. there's a lot of gray areas so uh, they can yeah, get things yeah. slip through the cracks yep. you know yeah. yeah that makes sense yeah yeah
0: mm. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> yeah that pro- that the people who own that the investment group that owns that they're the ones that said hey uh, Albuquerque's on fire. The cartels mm-hmm. are taking over. Mm-hmm. We need
2: you in New Mexico. And that's why we opened up New Mexico.
1: Right. Because we
0: were invited
2: there. Right. So, yeah. It, when Alex said this was happening in Portland, A, it was a shock. And B, but I, I know. I know what it, it resonated with me. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I knew that at some point, this was going to be more than just a Portland-centric problem. It, it It's everywhere.
0: It is everywhere. Right. I mean, yeah. I'm getting calls from Texas yeah. all, all the time now. What we get... I got a I get calls back east. People, you know, in Philadelphia are like, "Oh man, we need you over here." Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, and I'm like, I, "I'm not gonna go to Philly, bro." Right? I don't I I don't know that territory. I have to do a lot of uh, research and right. get Maybe. on the ground first. But
1: yeah.
0: yeah, you're such a great guest. You're like a host. I feel like I'm <laughs> being interviewed today. This is great. Oh well, <laughs> I
1: don't. Know. Your story's more interesting than mine, so um, that, that's yeah. cool. That's I mean. Um, you know, I don't know. In a, in a, uh, I don't want to get overly philosophical, but a, a lot of the motivation for at least the paths that I've mm-hmm. chosen in my life was because I, I, you know, I genuinely want to, you know, uh, help people make this place a, a better place, and um, you know, the idea that that you guys are are doing it um, for people who who need. Yeah. need someone desperately mm-hmm. to, to give them hope and to give them um, you know purpose for for a better life that that's pretty yeah that's pretty you know, motivational that's, yeah
0: we you know these are our fellow citizens these are other Americans right That's right
1: and mm-hmm.
0: they're just dying on the street that's right yep I mean gunshot
2: dying we did
1: wound we had, care we, we did had wound to
2: gunshot, uh, two gunshot incidents in the last since last four days yeah yeah yeah. last Thursday and then one on Sunday morning right in the in the local area yeah, yeah. I
0: mean we had one of our guards witness someone get shot in the head mm. mm-hmm. they I mean they witnessed it right there when it happened <coughs> mm. and um, and so it's a vi- it's violent yeah this is a lot of real street violence right. and you know unfortunately the, there's no will and to you know, bring back the law enforcement and mm-hmm. the the numbers that are needed for mm-hmm. them to not just be out taking calls, but actually right. being engaged right. as community members. Right. And I don't think that there. I don't even know if that's ever going to be a, a new a possibility in the future. I don't know if right. they will. In these urban areas, I just don't think that that's ever going to be viable. I think that we need we need to really think long, rethink. You know how emergency services operate. Mm-hmm. yeah i agree with that Hmm. yeah well we could talk about this for for days yep right i mean we all live in in problem areas we know what that's like being a principal i'm sure you're seeing an uptick in drugs right and issues
1: like that gang violence
0: yep and we're not going to mention where you work but you know as an administrator
1: that's a big problem it is it is i um for a a, the story that's not worth really telling now but um recently uh i was in a conversation with uh one of my superiors who was um, questioning um, um, some information that had gotten out into the community about the level of houseless um, students that I have in my school. And uh, so I just did some real quick research, pulled up the lists of the current kids that I have on uh, McKinney-Vento, which um, legal things just around dealing with um, houseless um, homeless families. and um, I have fourteen point two percent in in my high school. Yeah, that's that's high. That's high. So think sixteen hundred kids, fourteen oh, percent of them. Almost two hundred kids, right? Which could mean that you have just multiple families living in a single apartment. You know, all um, it doesn't mean that they're on the street, homeless, but Chron- transitioning right. so much so that right. that they don't have an actual. That's home. right. That's that's right. So fourteen uh, percent of high school students in my school alone who. Who may not have a, a bedroom that they can go home yeah. and, and even study, do the work that that, that you would expect a high school student to do, yeah. or they may have a bedroom, but but there's also three or four other students living in the same, mm-hmm. or, or, or or any s- scenario like that. It's just the the um, an understanding and an appreciation for the fact that there are a lot of people around us that yeah. do not have this the stability um, the. Uh, m- maybe the hope um, um, that some of us take for granted—it's yeah. um, it, mm-hmm. it, a—it's a call for service and it action yeah. and, and concern. So yeah, yeah. I grew up in that
0: category. Yeah. I went to 17 schools. I lived in six states. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Transitioned in and out of care. My brother was adopted by a separate family. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it, it is hard. Yeah. I remember I—I never did homework. Yep. I mean, I didn't. I didn't have a room either. Right. I never had a room right. growing up until I, my grandparents. I finally been doing with my grandparents. Mm. Well, when I was in high school, and so it's hard, you know. And I guess maybe that's part of the reason I do what I do yeah. is because I've kind of experienced that. Yeah. yeah. Um, homelessness as as a child, mm. and I'm not going to let it happen on my watch. Yeah. Good for
1: you. We need more people like that. Yeah.
0: We need more people like that. Yep. Yeah. I, there's. I know right now there's a, a five year old and a seven year old living in a tent in Old Town. Yeah. With their father
1: heartbreaking. That's yeah. Tough. it's heart-
0: And he won't he he does want a shelter. We yeah. we've, we've tried multiple times and he's like we're fine. Yeah. So, anyway, yeah. This is a, a called the ride along. Yep, because we don't sit in the office and do <laughs> Got nothing. It. Got it? At our desk and just type <laughs> emails away right? like giant or, you know, robot monkeys, right? right? We're gonna actually go out in the field, robot we're gonna meet some folks, deal. we're gonna patrol, and we're gonna change the community today. That's perfect. Right. Sounds perfect. good, guys? I love it. Want to Why do it? don't you lead us out?
2: Now?
1: Yeah, yeah. let's go. <laughs> okay. All right, it right. up. Thank you, all. Oh,
2: I get to keep this Navy SEAL, Come on, right? No. Let's get that
0: open. You got the radio? Yeah? Check. I already called it in. Just the other day, here in the Pearl District, middle of the day, around 3 PM, we had um, carjacking, like four blocks over. And uh, an elderly couple, two guys jump out of another car, ski masks with firearms. Boom, boom, boom. We want your car. Pull, rip, 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 out. I mean, this is like right. a Wednesday at 3 p.m. Right. In the District, so. There's an active serial killer right now. Oh, yeah. In Portland. Yeah, I read something about that. One of the victims was a female prostitute here in Old Town. One of the guards had information about that after there was a reach out from the DA's
1: office. Right. Um, very it, difficult. It does seem like in a lot of ways you, you guys would end up with um, better sort of. On the ground, the information, and even the police, just—they're all you know, seem to be all in the mood. They have the time to stand there, and yeah,
0: chat there. with people. Especially in Portland, the lack of services. A lot of these um, frontline police officers—they're literally every day going call to call, right? Five, six, fifteen calls deep. And I've been there. Yep. You've been there in law enforcement, yep. and. You get you get calls stacked like that, and you're talking major calls, domestics, stabbings, you know. And you don't have time to sit sit back and kick it. And in uniform, it's hard to gather intelligence in, right. you know, in the uniform. Very, right. Very, very difficult. As you know, well, you know, being in the Green Berets, a part of what y'all do is that that overseas operations, like intelligence gathering. Right? right. I think that definitely, and this is you know for my time in africa in the middle east there's there's definitely a warlord uh warlord uh, culture on the street level so you'll have block captains you'll have bloods cribs 60s aryan brotherhood prison gangs right running certain blocks and you really need to establish yourself as a presence in the neighborhood because they know we're not police right, right. But we still establish ourselves as a real presence, to where they have to deal with us, right? right? And um, I think once people know, hey, you know, don't fuck with these guys. I hate to admit that. That's the language. Mm-hmm. You know, for language but it makes people comfortable giving us information, right. especially information on their enemies. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's sure. really what it comes down to. Because there's so much competition. With drug dealing, right now in Portland, uh, they don't have a problem giving up other gangs and other cliques. Uh, they love doing it. I I, w- I would say they love doing it. It
2: could be as basic as even watching their backs. You know. That's Golson right there. Yeah. Golson's and, one uh, of. Oh, Golson's one of our. Key he guys, man. He's like a gold standard when it comes to patrol. Yeah. He's, he's the one who got into the use uh, of force today.
0: Was What's up, Golson? What up, T? What up? What? You? Oh, yeah. Alright, uh, that's what I heard. Evans is back here telling me the story. It's good, bro. Resource time, baby. So, he's literally, t- he said he got bloodied up, and so. We try, I mean, you don't want to use force, but it's a part of the job. But at the end of the day, now we have, we're here's, you know, we got security, we got the nonprofit. we're lining people up at the resource center, we run our own resource center. Mm-hmm. And this is again, another place to establish those relationships, gather that mm-hmm. like human intelligence. So I think we're green. We're green, we're
3: green. Let's, go out. let's go in there. You ready? Yes, sir. I'm so,
0: so as they're watching, they're going to be looking at us, and they're going to see us. Right. They're going to go and tell the other people, right. Right. and then that's when you know that you've in that whole area because they can't. So they won't be able to sell dope here. Right. And that's really what you're looking for. Lockdown. Yeah. You're, you're looking for people looking at us, right? Kind of curious, and then they walk away. Right. That's the look. So we're going to go inside this resource center. This is our resource center. Okay. Uh, we set up a nonprofit. Again, that whole NGO. Kind of idea right. human intelligence gathering you got to have a real network in place you can't just have people in uniform always walking around right, right. and so we'll introduce you to leif and terrence i think they should be inside okay. So,
1: what what services roll out of
0: here this is our resource center so clothing food right okay. um, we you know people work with us we work with them we ask people to come hang out with us uh, we let them go shopping and get different things right. hmm. This is a loving one another. This is the resource center. Got it. What's going on, guys? Hey, Evans, where you at? How you doing? Matt
3: Spencer, cousin meet uh, so you.
0: What's up, buddy? How you doing? doing? Yeah. What's up, bro? What's up, hey, man. You
3: yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Evans, how you T. doing, brother? Hey, good. How's, How's it going? going on, good. Good. Hope you're doing well.
0: Doing well. What do we got going on, sir?
3: Nothing, man. We're just out here trying to serve. Any shoppers today? We've had about seven shoppers today. Yeah. Nice. it's About we open it up about three, usually about three forty-five. Yeah. To four thirty, about forty-five minutes and. So they can get the temporary supplies. How many people do you think uh, we transitioned into sheltering today? Today we got three into shelters and 14 on a waiting list. So, tent into shelters. Three
0: nine people nine were eight living eight in, eight. in tents when we showed Correct. up today, mm-hmm. and now those three people are now in shelters.
3: shelters. We got 14 more on a wait list. Correct. Correct. Boom. That's awesome. Yeah, another three. Another so three more. Two total. Awesome, 17 was incredible. Yep. Yeah. Alright, well, let me show you around. Let's see, uh, show you what New we up. got here. So, watch them before tomorrow morning, because they didn't get them until the afternoon, and you know that if you don't get them in there right away, you yeah, don't before be get a spot. You no. got to get there early you in the gotta morning. Get them, you got to get in there before 11. Yeah. For mm-hmm. sure. Otherwise, you, you don't get in. Okay. So, if they're no yeah, exactly on a waiting list today, does that
1: mean that they can get in in the morning? It
3: doesn't always mean that. No. no. Yeah. So, there's only certain, uh, so the city has a certain amount, a lot of, a lot of beds. Around and we,
1: 213.
3: Yeah, we work with
1: the... Total seller. for the city. The county has over 2,000.
3: How's it going? But they'll be, so I'll get them on first thing in the morning, depending on how many of the beds the city has. We'll get them right. in. If not, then we'll just go over to the next day, the next day. How long so, can
1: they stay in the shelter?
3: They stay there as long as they want to, and that's how okay. really you get transitioned into more permanent right. housing. Right, right. So yeah. that's really how they're doing that right now. Is you go through the shelter process, and then usually within two, or three months, they can get you into right. something permanent. So
1: what do you do out of here? I mean, I can yeah. see the clothes, shoes, right. Give a tour. Give a tour. Yeah. So this Come is,
3: uh, so we, uh, this is this is where we kind of have more of the temporary needs of people. Right. You know, if uh, if there's somebody on the streets and they don't have shoes or they don't have clothes or, right. or say uh, say okay. Echelon comes across somebody and. Um, they call me and say, "Hey, do you have any shoes size 12?" That's what we right. just did. You got any pants this size. We'll make sure that happens for them. Got it. They can get their they can get their stuff for the people on the street. So, I mean, the goal is is to do it's long term, right? For us, we want to get we want to transform their lives, to help help them transform their lives. But there's also the temporary need too, got it. clothes, uh, That's blankets, right. shoes, pants, whatever it is, and food. Right. So we got yeah. we have all that stuff, and then we have.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh,
3: Oh, you're good. you're good. Back here, we have just like, you know, we have women's feminine products, we okay. got wipes, we got Narcan, we got all kinds of stuff back here. Um, and then, uh, hello. I here Alex. where we keep all yeah. of our, nice our water, so we have excess water. So, you know, for us, or if Echelon yeah. calls, so like t- uh, Thursday, I'm going to pick up about 120 cases okay. on Thursday. Okay. But you go through that pretty fast. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be 95 degrees right. starting yeah. tomorrow. That's so, hot. when it comes to food and all that kind of stuff, we always try to, Take them to oh, which uh, point yeah, them to the Blanchet, get your food there. Right. you know, like they, they have a deal with Subway where if they miss the Blanche, they can go to Subway, and I just happening. I pay the bill yeah. for that. If right. they, they go in the, like once a the the month month week, you pay month. the bill for that. Yeah. You know, just try to do the little things that turn into the big things. You know, just trying to build these relationships. It's like, you know, a lot of times we'll go through you know, for a whole week and talk to the same person. They're not ready to go yet. Right, right. And we're just playing a scene going, hey, when you're ready, yeah. we're here. Yeah, I might so have to buy some. Hey Tom, right. Right. hey, Tom, how you doing? What do you need today? What do you need right. today? Meeting meeting that immediate need
0: is really a, the key to de-escalating a situation right. on the streets. Spencer took a call the other day. Vi- originally, they sent a security officer. Mm-hmm. The guy squared away. Uh, he's done private investigations, law enforcement for years. Mm-hmm. Showed up and said, "Hey, you know, I'm in the uniform. I'm wearing a gun. Maybe we need a better look right now because right. the guy is pre-escalated. Right. Call came suicidal. in, as possibly mm-hmm. actively suicidal. So, live
3: shows up. You want to tell him what happened? Yeah. So, I, I showed up. Um, I walked over and sat with the guy. and Just sat there and listened to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew David. Um, I guess I shouldn't say names, but I knew David. Yeah, that's okay. Um, Could be a street name. Most of knows. the time, most of the time, David's just he's he's a mentally ill guy. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, has delusions of grandeur quite a bit, and um, but so I just went through about fifteen minutes. I walked up to Safeway and we got him something to eat and mm-hmm. got him something to drink. Gave him a few cigarettes and I said, "Are you suicidal? Are you homicidal?" He's like, "No, no, no. I just needed something to eat. I'm, I was tired. I was hungry." Yeah, yeah. So you know, it, it's it's just it's the little things, right? You know, so. little
0: things. Sometimes just a cigarette, right? We had a guy losing his mind. In a parking lot, about three blocks from here, right. and they called Portland police. Portland police pulled up, and they were in a stack waiting to go in to deal right. with it. And one of my guys was like, "Hey, I know this guy. I'm just gonna walk in and gave him a bottle of water right. and a cigarette, and the guy calmed down and walked away." Yeah, and hmm. so it's really meeting—it's that first level of service, right? Without having and if the you know, law enforcement loves it. They, they love do. it because we, we handle a lot of calls that. Really, they, they don't need any handling. Right? Well, even sometimes law enforcement
3: call me and say, hey, you got you got a blanket, you got a yep. pair yeah. of pants, you got a yeah. pair of shoes. And uh, we have a beautiful relationship with law enforcement. So, yeah, good. Yeah. good to hear. Good it to is, hear. because it's, it's going to take everybody to, yep. to solve this problem yep, down that's here. Right. So, you know, and that's how, that's when I worked for Echelon, that's how it all started. It started with, you know, pushing people across the street in wheelchairs or, you know, giving a cigarette or buying a sandwich. Or, you know, I, I took my vested gun off, right, concealed carry when mm-hmm. I was working for Echelon. And just because I wanted to be approachable. And it took about six months of every day every day being down here and not just acting like I care, but really caring about the problem, right? Right. Um, so, and uh, you got to build those relationships. Without those relationships, man, you're mm. sunk. Yeah. These people have to trust you. Right. They have to know that you're not just here. Yes, we have clients that we have to work for and we have to do do the job for them, mm-hmm. but the best way to do that is to build a relationship with the people on the streets. Yeah. When I started down here, I just uh, Alex and Reed gave me the, gave me the tools, allowed me to do what I needed to do to to uh, fulfill what I felt was necessary, mm-hmm. especially for this area. Yes. You know, every area is a little bit different, but at the end of the day, it, it is all the same. It's about building those relationships, right, um, right, right. Uh, building relationships of trust. So okay. um, I'm definitely no expert. I'm not. I, I just I love people, and I, I hate to see what's going on out here. Mm-hmm. And I figure if we can do mm-hmm. our part mm-hmm. and we can get others involved mm-hmm. and do their part, we can make a dent right. in our community. Right, right. Just put me to work. That's all I want to do. Right. So I don't I, don't I don't like kind of being in meetings. I don't like pushing paper. I want to be out <laughs> right. here where it's where we get down and dirty yeah. out here. So, that's what, that's yeah. so I mean that's that's really what it's about, man. So, really so really inspiring. You need help? Most of the time it's it's most of the time you come to work and it's it's amazing, that sometimes you come to work, and it's it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. When I first started, you know, I wanted to save everybody. Sure. And then I realized that you got to save the ones that want to get saved, That's and right. plant a seed yep. for those yep. that don't. You yep. know, yep. and it's like, oh, some listen. When you're ready, mm-hmm. Terrence is here. I'm here. Alex is here. Whenever you're ready, you have to be ready. They have to be ready to do it. They right. Know? Be ready. Right. So, but yeah. also helping them get ready to do it is people showing up every day and going, hey man, we, we love you. You want we every want you to day. do better. Yeah. We want better for you. Yeah, you so have we're, potential, we're not, you're awesome.
0: We're not stuck inside this building every day. Right. We're going into we're the neighborhood. Here. We go to every single tent, every day, multiple times a day. Mm. And I would say, I think around, about 85% of the time, 90% of the time, the people are completely resistant to anything. Mm. But what we found is 100% of the time, they want they want help two times that week.
3: Mm. So if they want something.
0: Yeah. So if you go by every day, right. there's right. a 100% chance they're gonna, they're gonna wanna build that relationship. Right. You just gotta go by every day. Right. If you want that person to feel important, if you wanna build hope and agency and worth into that individual, right. you need to go to that tent and contact them at the tent. <clears throat> so that's what we do.
3: And you know, I'm not saying that like, we're out here just giving people everything. Here's the thing, I, I always say, I always tell them I'm gonna take five steps towards you, I just need you to take one step towards me. That's right. You take one step. Guess what? I'll take another five. You just gotta take one. That's just, right. just let me know you're ready. Yeah. Because it's, it's it's very time consuming. Right. And not just time consuming, but it's it's ex, it can be exhausting. Sure. You right. know? Hey. Okay. A lot of wolves out here, and that's why we gotta be the sheepdogs. Sheepdog. That's right. We're sheepdogging it. in downtown Portland. Great. Right there. Yeah. 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 Sure. Good <laughs> talk.
0: Well, we're gonna head out. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Spence, appreciate the okay, time, bro. Of course. Real pleasure. Pleasure, man. Pleasure, man. Real Absolutely. Real appreciate pleasure. you coming out. Yeah. And thanks,
3: for it you. Doing. Thanks, brother. For thanks for hey, All right, man. See you tomorrow. Sure. Yep. Hey, you guys are appreciate your problem
0: You would think this would be a lot easier, but this is like, this is how it is, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. In-studio stuff is easy. You can sit down and talk. That's why everyone just has podcasts. Because you just sit there and talk about it. Hey guys, how y'all doing? Good. Yes. How many people you got on the street?
2: Right now, total. Yeah. Uh, we have about, a little over 50. Yeah. 650. Nationwide, okay. we have 105. They it's sick right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, And then you include
3: other staff, apply Do you have enough to cover your
1: yeah. property right now?
3: Obligations? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: It's, it's always a teeter-totter when I do I have to fight for manpower like hey I, my guys are at kind of capacity or hey I can take on more property or if, if the cup keeps having you we know, keep pouring water I just have to keep
0: yeah and we will not keep a bad apple yeah. like we if we see any you know we our whole our, mon, our mantra is we do we don't report people we report patterns right and but if there's a pattern they're gone immediately I mean, it's, cause you know. What are the patterns? Why do people get fired Um, An inability ab- to uh, move up and down use of force, escalate, deescalate. We have people that work for us that have been in law enforcement for years. We have people that have been mental health uh, workers, social workers, all kinds of different backgrounds. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, they, they can all fail or succeed if they, can, if they want to learn. And um, okay. some people we'll just can't learn. Yeah. We have a, a pretty decent training program. Yeah, no, it's good. Uh, I mean, for security, I think it's top notch. Right. I mean, is it? Do they do? Do we get a full two-year F field training program? Like law enforcement? No. Right. We we do get several weeks, and then every week, like this Friday, we're gonna have training scenarios. So we're constantly running training scenarios. Right, right, And that's it. That's, that's Those are fast evolving. election so open drug market yeah right? people can just do drugs no consequences
2: mm-hmm. yeah PD PD has a little substation right here so and they're doing yeah. Yeah. and mm-hmm.
0: I mean it's you know selling is illegal there's people shouldn't be using but it is what it is yeah go cool. Are we ready to walk? Okay, cool. We'll,
2: we'll work on this side.
0: So when we came into Old Town right. about three years ago, just at that location, Lamsu, where we were, right. where we drove through, right. twenty-seven tents. Ooh,
1: twenty-seven 27 tents. tents. Right.
0: Just on that one block. Right. And um, on the back side, we had a guy. He was a member of a prison gang. He right. was running a running a weapons cache, so anyone could go up there and get any weapon they wanted. And he was okay. getting paid several hundred dollars a month just to run, run this weapons in cash.
1: Including firearms?
0: Uh we never saw firearms in there, but yeah, they have firearms. Okay. We did an investigation at uh and Taylor at a camp there. And after it was turned over to the city, the city went in, made multiple arrests and got multiple firearms. Okay. Well
1: toilet that fall. Camp,
0: so yeah. So guys. So twenty seven tenths. Right. You know, criminal organizations running the street, right. selling dope. Uh, Reed and I are doing an investigation one day. This is like a week later. And we're in the surveillance van. And we're not even looking at the property next door. We're looking at right. Lansu Chinese Garden. Trying to figure out who the, who the shot caller is. Sure. Who's right. running the block, right? And all of a sudden, a guy comes up, hits this dude in the mouth. This is across the street. Where's my money? He starts shaking him around. And uh, he then goes into a tent and starts beating up a lady inside there. Rolls her out of the tent right into traffic, like 10 o'clock in the morning, right. completely naked. She was in there with a the guy, right? Because they're running, they're running prostitutes out of this tent, right? And um, just a complete, complete nightmare, man. I mean, this is the worst. Hey, how's it going? It's good to see you. Yep.
1: This and so you guys day. start working it. Yep. What, what does that look like? What, what, what does that mean? That you guys move into that area?
0: Yeah it's a multi-pronged approach, right? And this is kind of that overseas approach um, that we basically model our company off of. And you have to at- attack it, not just from the security model or even law enforcement, but you want to attack it as an NGO, as a nonprofit, you want to make contact. See if there's anyone there that has a soft heart that you can get information out of, but it'll also lead to a better place. Right. right? right. If you can take the, those women that are being forced into prostitution off the street, you don't want to walk uh, if you want to take those women yeah. off the street Chapel. and get them into a shelter, right? Those are those are now those those that revenue source that prostitution revenue source is no longer there. Right. You're taking that away from the criminals, right? Same thing with their um, clientele for drugs, right? If you can get people into rehab, if you can get people into shelters, that's less clients that criminal organization has. Right. What we always say is it's the path of least resistance. We can't stop the river, but we can block it and change the direction of the flow of the river. We can save lives when we're there in the moment, but we don't control the city of Portland. We're an enhanced service. We're here to augment law enforcement and fire and rescue. That's our job. The goal is to remove everyone that wants help.
1: Even and, if they don't know that they want help yet.
0: Yeah, and what we find is, when, you know, we're out here every day, there's about an 85% resistance, rate of resistance to change. Right. So if you're a caseworker and you make contact with your person once or twice a month, every contact, you're going to have an 85 to 90% resistance, mm-hmm. rate of resistance, right? But sometime during that seven-day period, they were at their lowest of their low right. and they were ready for change, but right. no one was there to catch them. Right. You're not gonna catch someone in their low point. The idea that you can just magically show up once a month and catch them when they're ready for change. I mean, how often are you ready for change? Right, right. right? It's when we've had us able to self-reflect, or something's happened in our life that's given us the ability to say to ourselves, "I think I need to change now." Right. So what we do is, we're as a security company, we're out here every day. We're going to the tents. With the, with loving one another, with the nonprofit and other organizations, we're contacting people two, three, four, five, six times a day, right. and that ability allows us to get more people in than most organizations can. Right. I mean, we're getting ninety to hundred people in shelters every month. Right. And that's that number is if you think that only three to four people are doing that amount, the reason they're so successful is because they're not sitting in an office building; they're going by tents every day. Right. Right. So that's really the change, the difference, and. If, when you continue to do that. So when we came into Old Town, there were about 500 tents here. Now we have chronically what? 50?
2: Less probably. Probably less in than Old Town? 50. Yeah, yeah. At Old Town. less than 50.
0: So we it went from 500 tents to 50 tents. So the people who stay, yeah, those are gonna be the people that are really resistant. Right. But even in that group, we had a guy we've known for 18 years. We, we, I mean, he was on the street 18 years. We knew him for three years and he chose to get off the streets. Right. He moved back to New York. He reconnected with his family. We this happens all the time. We had a guy that he was the number one um, uh, individual engaged in theft at a Target, and we got a call from a property. This gentleman was living in tents right. on an adjacent property. <clears throat> they were concerned about a lawsuit from the property that was actually that had the Target on its location, and they said, "Hey, we have this homeless person on our property. He's crossing over to this other property. He's right. robbing a Target." We don't know what to do about it. We're afraid that we're actually gonna get sued because we're letting this guy basically stay on our property. Right, right. And we sent one person over there, our, our, one of our directors, Mariah, for Portland area. She spent about five hours with this guy. Five hours with this guy. He had two or three huge tents, like Bedouin-style tents. Mm-hmm. Thousands of dollars of Target merchandise with the tags still on it. And uh, she talked to the guy for five hours, and after five hours, he agreed to call his wife back in Florida. They reconciled on the phone. She drove him to TPI, got him an ID. We were able to get him um, a ticket back to Florida to where his wife lives. And we put him up in a hotel that night, cleaned the entire campsite, gave all that merchandise back to Target. And all that took was a five hour conversation. The problem is no one is actually going to where these people live, right? If you're gonna, if you're gonna go talk to someone and have a conversation about changing their entire life, you have to meet them where they are. Right. You can't expect them to come to you and have a meaningful conversation, that just doesn't happen in life. Right. Does that make sense?
1: It does. Yeah. Yeah. What, What do you, what do you need to achieve that goal? Is it just time with the resources you have, or is it greater resources, more people? Um, greater capacity, I mean, what's, what keeps you from the the dream of, of everybody who wants help has got it and now they're in yeah. a better life?
0: We, we do it by having a vast network of other organizations that are working together on the streets. We need churches, other types of nonprofits, shelters. We need people on the street engaging people. See, look, right behind us, we have a tent. There's like 20 people hanging out. No one's going to come by and offer them anything. Now, right here, you can come and get a free meal three times a day, but there's no one actually engaging the group right here. If someone, look, if someone was engaging this group six, seven hours a day, this specific group, that group wouldn't be there anymore, right? It's obvious that the person on the yellow bike is a drug dealer. They just pulled up. They were looking around digging in their pockets. They've already done three handoffs since we've been talking about one, looking at them, looking at you right now. He's digging in his pocket, getting his next dope is more dope out to hand out. And so if you had people engaging this community engagement on multiple levels, where they don't think it's just a security company and it's not just the police, but it's all these different nonprofits. It's a cleaning services company. It's the property manager, right? This level of community engagement scares people away because it's so many eyes on the street that drug dealers no longer feel comfortable. You know, if we just had someone giving tours at night and a group of people walking, 10 to 20 people walking around in tour groups doing historical architectural tours, that would actually scare drug dealers off. They would go somewhere else. Hmm. So the more you get, the more, as you increase community engagement, you're going to make that area a higher risk area to engage in criminal activity. Right? Most people think, oh, if we just get more cops. But what you really want from the cops is community engagement. Yeah. Right. But when we get too many cops, that engagement turns into a civil rights violation that turns into a death, Yep. right? Because cops have to escalate. That's how you make arrests, right? And so then that will then, you lose trust and then you fall, you take three steps forward but you go back five.
1: Sure, right.
0: right. Every time you suffer that death in that community, you lose all that momentum you, momentum you gain because most of that community engagement momentum should be happening on the local level with politicians with property owners security companies people that are actually here every day doing the work right so if you're overseas right you're in Afghanistan right. what do you want from those tribal leaders relationship relationship yeah right, right. Eric yep. Green Beret. You're working overseas. You got operations. You have an area of operations you got to work in. You want intelligence, right? Right. You want community partners. Yep. You want people that are not just going to feed you intelligence, but maybe they're willing to even do a couple of things for you. Yep. Right. Yep. And that's what that's what that's that kind of level of community engagement. That's what's needed here. Right. Right. And just like in Afghanistan, they don't want it to be from the government. Right. Right. It has to be a localized. It has to be localized. Right. Right. And it has to be built over several years. Right. When we came to Old Town, no one thought we were going to do anything. They said, You're crazy. This will never work. And I, they didn't understand. It's going to work. It's going to take two years, but it's going to work. If you have 10 criminal organizations, it's easier to hide. But when you only have three, everyone knows who you are. Right.
2: Yeah. Right.
0: So it, it's. I don't know. I could talk forever about it. Yeah,
1: yeah, I get it. I get it. Good talk. At some level, does it come down to more contracts with more pieces of property? Because that means more income to hire more people with the heart that you're looking for to do more work better. Is is that? I think that's definitely at least a third of the pie. Okay. you you got to have the
0: right security work, but you also have to have the right nonprofit Right. and then you have to have the, the
1: contracts also feed into the nonprofit
0: we as a company we give a large percentage of our income to the nonprofit got it because at the end of the day if you're not changing individual lives you have no hope in changing your right. community. right that's part of it the other part of it is the intelligence services right so we have all full-time private investigators and we have to know who people are right if you're just walking around and you're doing security work, you're 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 still in that reactive state. You're not doing proactive work. You're still reactive because you don't you're waiting for something to happen. Right. But when you know, hey, okay, this person, we know who they are. We know their M.O., we know kind of crimes they engage in. Right. They're at this tent over here. And so we start knowing these things, we can pass people up to our investigators. They'll kick that information back down. Um, That's more helpful. So there's really three pieces, right? There's intelligence. Right. right. Then there's the security work when you actually got to do operations, including right. law enforcement. Right. Right. Like th- if there was a, there was a shooting, we found who conducted the shooting. We immediately told PPB. We we had it recorded. We were able to hand that to them. Right? right. Making that arrest made that corner over there. Right. And this vacant property lot or vacant lot we were just at. No one wants to sell dope there anymore. Right. Yeah. So it's it's being able to conduct the right type of intelligence with the right type of people and then knowing exactly when to strike and right you know right.
1: yeah I get it yeah. I
0: get it yeah. cool well let's go check out another spot got it huh. see like that person could be dying no one No one, would, one no. cares right. nobody cares how see it. Oh, we, all car- we all carry Narcan. Yeah. The nonprofit gets it for free. This is why you gotta have that nonprofit. We get like forty-five thousand dollars of Narcan this year for free. We give Narcan to four to five other nonprofit agencies that don't even have it. How many people did we Narcan last week, guys? What do you think?
2: Counting. We start giving away so many
1: Red Cross badges that gets handed it to Narcan someone.
0: Yeah, we take their. Echelon patch, right, and then we get a red cross stitched into it. Yeah. And I think you can get up to three them on there. And then
2: that's nice. yeah. you? About, about
1: eighty
0: people live there. Lot of the skateboard park, isn't it? yep yeah if it went yeah they have the money to a skate park when we took this property over this was my first contract in Old Town right and then Reed, Reed when Reed came up here it was our only contract still so Reed and i's only contract and it had the highest call volume in central district for any multifamily residential property right. And now, you don't even, there's no culture ever. Because we've literally transformed this entire community. How does that story get out? I mean. This, this is how it gets out. Podcasts, that, getting you to tell our story. Right. That's how it gets out. Because, you know, no one cares about security guards. Right. There's 4,500 sworn officers in Oregon, working law enforcement. There's 20,000 security guards. So this is the exact spot that I was that we were talking about in Old Town. (coughs) I wanted to bring you here to kind of explain just the the geography and how it works. So we were just right down here in Old Town. This pedestrian bridge. If you're going to steal a car in Old Town, you're going to ditch that car. You're going to ditch it on this street back here and then you're gonna run across this bridge. Once you get down on this side of Old Town, right. you can disperse disappear. in five, six different directions. You can jump in a tent. There's a hundred different tents you can jump in really easily, right? Same thing on that side. So a lot of people, this becomes more of a high crime area. Right. You have a lot of shootings and stabbings in this area.
1: And- Still now, today? Yeah, oh yeah, still today. Yeah.
0: We had a shooting just, what, two weeks ago? Austin jumped on the guy. He got shot in the neck. NATO. Care. It
2: was on NATO and, and uh, Everett.
0: Yeah. So he would get get into a shot or get into it here, and then they would run this way, come up. This is NATO down okay. this corridor, and then they would just run straight across. And so you're constantly seeing the cops coming and going, trying to run across the bridge and or stop or you know. Right. So this is one of those critical choke points. So w- when we took the, this on as a first property, obviously it's very difficult because it's a pedestrian thoroughfare that's not patrolled because cops don't patrol on foot anymore. Right. So we had to come up with a strategy. How are we going to control this area and really dominate this space? And so what we did was we just stood up here all night long. Hmm. We would park the the surveillance van. We would park the surveillance van right there. And we would park it in such a way, we would even have a camera in there and point it right at the bridge. And so we would take pictures of the bridge at night right. and let people see, oh, people up here selling dope, or, you know, like I said, there was a guy that was raped in the elevator. Right. Mm-hmm. We would constantly be parking these surveillance vehicles, our sprinter vans, right. um, uh, minivans that are blacked out, these types of things. And so when, when, we, when you do that, you're creating that, that kind of psychological, you know, right. overtone, right. and it just scares people away and literally within 3 months this bridge no one, no one likes to use this bridge anymore because they constantly feel like they're being watched they're being seen right so yeah just one of the tiny little things right you want to always same thing overseas you the area operations you want to find out you know you have a footpath coming from this village to that village you want to control that flow at least you want to know information who's using that footpath when they're coming and going you want someone counting how many people are using it who's using it the Trucks that are going down that, that road, right? right? Same thing here. You constantly want that information. And like I said, we used to be the highest call volume 15 major calls a day. Our first week, a guy,
3: come home, come home,
0: come bring it, it. it. stabbed him in the belly with a katana sword. Yeah, right in the lobby. First day, mm-hmm. first week. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you know, uh, now there's no calls here. I mean, look how peaceful it is.
1: Yep.
0: We got our guy up there. That's all. Awesome. He just wait for me up there. We got our guy down here. Boom, right there. All the critical choke points. Right. Doing Overwatch, seeing what's going on. He just waved at us. Guy down here, community engagement, hanging out with the smokers. He's gonna find out. Hey, you see any suspicious vehicles? Who's been walking through here lately? Anybody selling dope back here? All right. Constantly getting that information. Mm-hmm. So. Boom, boom, boom. I don't know, man. This is what, this is what we do. All right. At the end of the day, private security is here for the individual, right? And, and I don't think that individuals know that. I, I think that a lot of people, uh, you know, they, they look at private security and they think it's law enforcement,
2: right? Mm-hmm, privateer law enforcement. Like,
0: a, like, yeah, private policing, private and it's not. It's actually the exact opposite. <laughs> and when we look, Reed and I, when we, when we first looked at how we, what kind of security company we want to own, we looked, at, we looked at everything, and we said, there's two models. There's observe and report, which doesn't work because no one's going to show up. Report to who? Right. 45-minute right? response. And then the other one is pretending to be law enforcement. When there's, you actually don't have the And you have no authority. You have, you don't, we don't have no authority. You can't actually do that. You just end up being a bully yeah. when you do that. And so we said, well, what are we going to do? And we looked at the overseas operations model. And we looked at the Green Beret ODA, you know model that's and that's what we went with we said hey cia intelligence working in and outside the government in order to direct security operations that are community-based right and that's what we went with right yeah and you know what it really works yeah we should go back to the studio let's go to the studio and talk some more yeah cool
2: and the cherry on top of that is a lot of people come to us and say thank you for bringing back our sense of well-being making us feel safe so together. Yeah. Right, that's the kind of payout oh. I get.